0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: All right, welcome everybody. What's going on? Episode 244, talk of Buffalo Podcast. Big thank you right here at the top to everyone out there, as always, for continuing to listen and download and support the show. Really, truly means a lot to me. really does. If you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do that right now. Before I get into today's episode, a quick piece of business to handle here. We just recently wrapped up another prize pack giveaway. This one was an 18-inch wood-fired pizza and 20 wings from our buddies over at Sunny Reds. Of course, Sunny Reds is in Lackawanna. A real hidden gem, in my opinion, for food and drink in Western New York. A great place to eat and hang out at. Anyway, that winner, and it was a contest for subscribers only. And that contest was won by at Bill O'Hare 27. At Bill O'Hare 27. I'll also put this out on a tweet. You are the winner. Free pizza, free wings from, again, our friends at Sunny Reds. Uh, if you are a subscriber or if you're not, subscribe now and you'll be eligible to win more of these contests in the future. We recently did one with Macy's Place Pizzeria, just did this one with Sunny Reds. Plenty more to come over the next handful of weeks and months, so make sure you get in on that. As for today's episode, I'm going to be joined in just a minute by recurring guest, my buddy, Joe Yurden Joe of course is a hockey writer you know what I'm gonna say hockey I'm not even gonna say that Joe's a sports personality as far as I'm concerned I don't want to pigeonhole him he's a lot more than just hockey although that's his main thing of course as many of you know out there Buffalo sports fans Joe was let go not too long ago by the athletic a uh, victim of the pandemic and everything that goes with it and about a month or so ago we had a really good conversation about that Definitely go check that out. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. But anyway, Joe's back again. He's just a voice that I think people need to hear. Simple as that. Very good sports personality and very likable. So I got him back on the show today. And we're not just going to talk hockey either, by the way. We'll spend some time talking Buffalo Bills. Of course, Sean McDermott just signed a six-year extension to stay in the mix. Buffalo Bills head coach for the next six years. I'll get Joe's take on that. Spent a few minutes talking about the Toronto Blue Jays. Played their last two home games this week at Salem's Field in Buffalo. Two very exciting games. I'll get Joe's take on that. Then, of course, I mean, we're gonna spend plenty of time talking hockey. Uh, I'll get Joe's reaction on the Sabers' return to Royal. The uniforms, what he thinks about those. We'll talk about a couple team awards. As many of you know, over this past week, the Sabres handed out a couple of Hardware, I want to call my guess, team awards that they did on Twitter and social media. Thought they could have done a lot more. So we'll create a couple of our own awards. And then I'm going to task Joe with something that's probably very difficult to do. I want him to play salesman. So instead of hire Joe Yurden, this is going to be salesman Joe Yurden. I want him to sell people like myself, who frankly are very skeptical of the Sabres. I've become very disgruntled, very disenfranchised with this organization from top to bottom over the last couple of years, especially this past year or so. And I want Joe to be able to sell me and sell us on being excited about being a Sabres hockey fan right now. I don't think that's easy, by the way. But if anyone could do it, it'll be Joe. So he will do that. I'll get his reaction on the Rangers winning the draft lottery, get his reaction on a couple of early NHL playoff games, plenty more. Like I said, I'm not going to waste any more time here at the top. Always a great conversation when I have them on. So without further ado, here it is, a chat with Joe Yurden. All right, I am joined right now by hockey writer and sports media personality. I feel like just saying hockey feels a little, I feel like I'm pigeonholing you, man. So (laughs) Joe Yurden, what's going on, Joe? How you doing, buddy? doing good pat yeah it's it's funny
0: like people are always like yeah you're just a hockey guy and i was like well you know i i i did cover bills home games for like 3 3 seasons so i yeah. i got i got some chops there i did a baseball one of my first stories with the athletic was a baseball story on vlad vlad junior so like i got some chops It's just you know 99.5% of what i do is hockey so it, it's 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 pigeonholing but it's pretty fair
1: yeah it is but all right, so let me say this too, right off the top here. Obviously, Joe worked for The Athletic. Uh, we're not gonna rehash your account yeah. of that story. We talked about that last time you were on. I'm gonna advise listeners if they didn't catch that episode to go back. It was episode 235, roughly a month or so ago. You had some canny comments about everything that went down. It was uh it's it's a great story, and I'm gonna put a link to that episode in the show notes here. But anyway, that aside, you're still like, you're a popular dude, man. You're still in demand, I feel like. I, I know you just did a, a radio hit not long before we hooked up to, to do this taping, which, by the way, we're taping this mid-afternoon on Thursday. So let me start here. Let me ask you this, all right? What does it mean to you to to see a lot of fans? You know what? Not just fans, but also your peers and your colleagues clearly in your corner. You know, like that hashtag, hire Joe Yurden. It's a thing I see on Twitter a lot some of it's in good fun. Some of it's very serious too. You know, like people, people like you, man, they support you. So, you know, so many times sports media personalities out there, they're gone for whatever reason, from wherever they work and you never hear from them again. And no one seems to care. Definitely not the case with you though. So what does it mean to you to feel and see that support that you get from fans and from colleagues? It's, it's crazy
0: humbling, honestly, because if, if there's, if there's a, there's a bad part of my personality. It's that I, you know, when I do stuff, I I don't really know. I don't really think of it as being good or that that stuff that people like. I just don't think of it that way, you know, because I, the process of writing something for, you know, for me, especially, you know, especially when it was just, um, you you're, you're trying to do either different things or you're trying to do other stuff or you're trying to, Trying to be entertaining, you're trying to do this, that, or the other thing, you're trying so hard to get it right every single time. Uh, is that by the time I finish a piece, I end up feeling like, oh, thank God that's done, get it away from me. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. I've, I've already read it and and rewrote it, you know, wrote it, rewrote it, you know, a hundred times over. I've arranged, you know, just toying with paragraphs and putting stuff around that I'm sick of it by the time I'm done done with it. Um, right. And it's kind of classic. I'm gonna call it an upstate New York sort of attitude because it's it's something people in Buffalo are probably familiar with. That like if somebody if somebody was out there and like they read it and they go, "Wow, that guy sucks! What a piece of crap that was!" I would be up in arms, just being like, "Hey, who are you to question me? Like, who are you? You know, like you get very defensive over it." But if it's me, you be like, "Well, that, that stunk! What a piece of crap!" <laughs> and then I feel good about it. It's 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 like you can talk crap about your own stuff, but the second somebody else does it. The, the defenses go right up. It's like when anybody takes a shot at Buffalo. You know, somebody's not from here and they go, Ah, oh, Buffalo, what a lame place. I hate that. You know, wings suck. I hate the I hate Niagara Falls. Uh the bills suck. Sabres suck. Everybody sucks. I hate it. Well people lose their mind. It doesn't even have to be that harsh. It could just be the, the most mild of slights and everybody's like, Hey, you can't say that. We can say that. You you can't say that. So it's um it's a weird provinciality, I guess, with with my own work, but um it's it's always incredibly flattering when somebody's like, "Wow, I really like that." Or they're sharing it around and they're saying, "Boy, I love that. This is really good. You should read this." Like that, I that always blows me away every single time. And it's not even like I'm not even just like blowing smoke up your ass about this. This is totally just like every single time it happens, I'm just like, "Wow, people like this." Okay. That's awesome. I I you know, it's thanks so much for sharing it with others. Like that's that's always my response. It's it's forever being thankful. To have that, I, I always told people that if I ever got to you know, to a level where I was a celebrity, like an honest to goodness celebrity, I'd either be, I'd either be the most accommodating or I'd be the most private person ever. Like if paparazzi was trying to chase me down, they'd either never get a photo of me or I'd be running up to them and taking pictures <laughs> with them. So it's, it, it, I guess it would depend on the day, but, um, but yeah, like anytime somebody busts out that hashtag, and I'm very guilty of favoriting it anytime I catch it. Um, cause it just means a lot. It just means a lot to have people supporting me. That's, that's great. And that's, that, that's something that, that keeps me, keeps me involved, even though I haven't written something in over two months now. So right. it's, um, it's really cool. It's really cool that, 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 that people are, are that either boisterous or they, or they're that thoughtful about it. That's, that means the world.
1: You know, it's really interesting as you were talking, you said something that, Really resonated with me, and I never really thought of it that way. When it comes to Buffalo, you could fight amongst each other. Like, if, like you said, if we're both Buffalonians and we're sitting in a bar and we could say this and that about our own city, you know, it's dirty, it's this, it's that, it's whatever. And then when an outsider comes in and starts badmouthing the city, it's like you put aside your own differences and, uh, you know, attack that person because you're not going to let them get away with that. That is absolutely the way (laughs) Buffalo works. And I kind of sort of didn't really truly understand that until you just said it. And it kind of just sunk in with me, especially now that I'm not, at least currently I'm not in Buffalo, but yeah, man, that is so true. But yeah, dude, social media has been pretty good to you. I mean, not perfect. It's not perfect for anybody, but it's pretty good to you. And I have a, I feel like I have a legitimate love hate relationship with how I approach and how I feel about Social media because it's look when you do what I do or what you do it's very important it's critical man it's the way to get your work out to the masses it's the way to keep your name in that news cycle it's instant news like when something happens like for an example today and we'll talk about this in a minute Deion Dawkins signed a four year extension with the Bills I knew it literally within seconds after it happened so there's a lot of good things about social media like on Facebook I belong to a couple podcasting groups sometimes I have some technical questions and I'm always on there and finding out information. So there's a lot of good uses, but there's also the horribleness of social media. And I know you know this as well, the The downright nastiness, the, the disagreements get very personal. Like with this presidential election, without us, either of us needing to take sides on which way we're leaning or any of our viewpoints on it, it doesn't matter because regardless of what side of the fence you're on, you see it every day. If you don't agree with somebody, it gets nasty. It gets personal. I've been friends with people on Facebook dating all the way back to high school. Or people I should say that I'm Facebook friends with. I've known them since high school. And you kinda of see the other side of people as as the truth comes out and how people feel. And it could just get really ugly and it's a very personal, nasty uh element to our lives that consumes us. I know it does me, and I don't want it to, but it does. You know you you, you get where I'm coming from with that, yeah. right? Oh, a hundred percent. And it
0: I think that's <laughs> I think that's the nice part about sports is that you, can, that you can have those same sorts of debates and they can be heated and you can disagree. You can do all that stuff, but at the end of the day, it's still sports. Right. And it, and it doesn't really hit your personal life, so to speak. I mean, some people go as, go really hard with sports where, I mean, it's very, it's an extremely personal life sort of thing, But but it's not like civil rights. It's not like, you know, it's sure. not, it's not basic living sorts of stuff that that's up for debate. It's, you know, it's like, do you think Josh Allen's an elite quarterback or not? It's, you know, is Jack Eichel a top five player in the NHL? Like those, those are, those are, those are, those are fun, happy arguments where it's up to that person to to, to prove it for, for your beliefs. Um, it's not necessarily the same when it comes to uh, more decidedly, extremely serious topics like, like that. So it's, um, yeah, yeah, I I, I think I think I think sports is basically like the um, it's basically like the training ground for for trying to deal with, with those sorts of arguments <laughs> and, and nastiness. But um, but I know like, true. like what you're talking about with uh, you know, with using Twitter or Facebook to, to kind of promote your work and, and to do things and you know, you're gonna have people that come out and, and say things and it, it always killed me to see to see people and you know, a lot of times these are people that I know or, you know, other people in the business where you know that they're searching their name to see what other Mm -hmm. people are saying about them. And like, to me that, that puts me down like an anxiety hole and a depression hole that like, I don't need to search my name. I don't, if somebody's going to talk shit about me behind my back, let them, (laughs) I I don't need to read that, man. Are you kidding me? Like I, my, my brain is fragile enough that I don't, I don't need to have it thrown directly into my face. (laughs) Like (laughs) I, I, I literally never need that kind of trouble to, to like, to go and look for it. Like, Yeah. People want to say that my writing's crappy or this, that, or the other. Have fun. Like, say it. Please don't tag me in it. Please don't. And if you're like a big, you know, fan of my writing, don't snitch tag. I literally never want to read that. I don't know. That's that's another part of like being a celebrity is that somebody you know talks crap about them and somebody's like, oh, hey, let me tag, uh, let me tag Joe Yerdin this to read this this crap you're talking about. Like, no, please don't ever. Do that.
1: Like, if somebody wants to say bad stuff about me, let them say it, and like I literally never need to read it. That's a very tough part of being in the sports media. I would assume for somebody like yourself, or pretty much for anybody. You know, when it when a young person is growing up and they get interested in getting in this line of work for a living, I feel like you know it's easy to give advice on all the do's, but one of the, one of the biggest things is somehow, some way, you have to develop a. uh the ability to not really, I don't want to say not care, but not be affected by what other people say and think. And I'm in the same boat as you. I i desperately, I know people will say whatever they're going to say, but like, I don't need to hear it. And I don't want to hear it because it probably does have an effect on me. Maybe one of my weaknesses is that I have, and I don't know if it's a weakness, but it, maybe it is in this game, this sports media game, but having thin skin, you know what I'm saying? Where I i don't need to hear that. That's kind of one of those underrated, low key Things about getting in sports media that that more people should know about. That hey man, you better have a really thick skin or uh, find ways to to not look up your name, like you said. Because look, we're human beings at the end of the day, and you work on something, and when the feedback's not good, it can be hurtful. You know? Yeah,
0: and something that something that I've always stuck to, and it's probably not very sound. You know, when from a mental health perspective, is that anything somebody says to me that they think is going to hurt me cannot hurt me as much as what I can say to myself. Like I'm very harsh self-critic on a lot of stuff, probably to a detriment. Um, so that if somebody decides to take a pot shot, it's like, Oh, that's what you think. <laughs> Good one, buddy. Like, I don't, right. like, I don't think that thought 15 times a day or, you know, twice a day, every day for the last five years. Like, yeah, great. Oh, you, you, my writing sucks. Yeah. Well, I agree. <laughs> Screw you. <What? laughs> or my opinions I, are bad. I, I'll eat shit. I, that's fine. Like, <laughs> Great. I think so
1: too. Well, I'll tell you what, let's give people out there some ammunition to say bad things about both of us right now. We'll transition <laughs> into some, uh, we'll we'll start with a couple of Bills things here. So uh, on Wednesday, uh, the Bills announced head coach Sean McDermott got an extension. He got a six-year deal that runs through 2025, uh, first reported by Adam Schefter. I want to get your reaction to a, a six-year extension. On the surface, it seems like a very good deal, very obvious thing. I don't know of any people out there who are not Sean McDermott. Uh, Hands, so uh, probably a, a pretty easy answer for you. But what was your reaction when you heard the news?
0: Uh, it made a lot of sense. I think that's uh, that, that's a slam dunk as uh, I think coach extensions can get in, in the NFL. Yeah. And I think on McDermott's part, it's great to get that done now. Yeah, um, you know, depending on what happens with this season, I, I you know whether it ends up getting played or gets you know shortened, how you know whatever happens, we don't know. But it, I mean, this season. It, for the first time in like 25 years, the bills are like the prohibitive favorite to win the division and to go far in the playoffs. And Hey, you know what? If he's got the team on the brink like this, either this, either the deal works out great and you've got them, you've got them locked up for for years to come and the bills are about to, you know, get, you know, get on a really hot run here for a few seasons. That yeah, That's a great deal. If, if they end up taking a, uh, somehow taking a step back this year and end up struggling in some ways and, you know the, the division becomes a little bit more of a fight than you want. Then you know. Maybe you look at it as kind of a regret. But I'm sure there there are going to be other parts that are be that'll be involved with that being the case, and including Brandon Bean. But um, it, I, I it's it's the right deal. It's the right time. It's just adding four more years onto onto what he already had. So it's you know it's a little bit of a it's a bit of a pay raise. That's great. And you know what the the way the, the culture stuff gets talked about with this team and, and everything. It's really hard to argue the positive effects that it's had because you you can think back to every Bills team before he came around here, how dysfunctional everything was in some some you know some form, and it always had to do with the coach, and it always had you know the GM picking the players too. But you know, I think think about most of my time in doing stuff with the Bills, it was uh, it was the end of Rex Ryan's. I'm here, you know, you don't have to look much further back than that to think of, you know, how dysfunctional things can be with, with a coach that doesn't really seem to get it or is too proud to get out of his own way to do things. So it's, it's a, it's a really solid move. It's just, it seems like a lot of the stuff the bills are doing these days just makes sense. Like it's not great, you know, it's not gross overpays. They're not doing anything that's too, too flashy, too crazy. They just, everything seems to come from a common sense perspective.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like NFL reporter Phil uh, Yates had a tweet that I feel like really summarized it well. He said in the 16 seasons prior to hiring Sean McDermott, the Bills had just two winning seasons and never made the playoffs. In three years, he's led them to the playoffs twice with two winning seasons, built an incredible culture and helped lead a defense that has been one of the NFL's stingiest. Here's the question. Now, you've covered hockey. You've covered other sports, too. But that word culture, when you hear that, he says he built an incredible culture. Some people put a lot of stock into that. Some people think it's an overrated term. Where do you fall when it comes to that? When it comes to building a culture, how important that is with your head coach? I think culture
0: means more when it's, when it's opposite ends of the spectrum, either teams that win a lot or teams that lose a lot. Because if you lose a lot, uh, chances are the culture is not gonna be that great because everybody's sick of losing. Uh, But when you win a lot, the culture is great because everybody's happy. It's, It's, culture is just another word for, for t- overall team happiness as far as I'm concerned. Cause I, you know, I, that's where like things that like in baseball, like I, I can think of, who was it? You know, one of the Josh Beckett Red Sox teams that won, that won a title. And it was like the culture there was poison, but yet they were still able to win a world series, Yeah, you know? And, you know, with John Lackey and, Be- and Beckett and those guys, it was just like, all those guys were just Titanic assholes, but they still won. Right. Um, but like, I think in football, it means more because you have such a huge team first off. I mean, it's, you know, it's 50, 53, 55 guys now. And if you've got a lot, a large number of those guys, not, you know, not feeling it, it's going to be really tough because if they're all on one side of the ball, that side of the ball is going to be a a mess. And if it's on both sides, then boy, you're, you got a lot, you got a lot of stuff to try to dance around and, and, and that's, that's a lot of minds to try to, to try to not step on and that, that's a, that's a big thing to me in hockey. It's weird because I think it, it, culture wise, I, it's, it's just straight up winning. I mean, cause, cause hockey, is just guys break down into groups as it is anyways, you know, like yeah. not, and not everybody's going to be good pals. Not everybody's going to be good friends there, but, uh, but as long as everybody's pulling their weight and they're doing their job, then I think everybody's okay with that. I think that's, that's one where like the, the inter-team discipline comes comes more into play because if somebody's just totally dogging it, and if you don't have a powerful leader in that room to to kind of call, you know, to call out bullshit when it's happening, that's when things get really bad. Or you know, if if you have a really young leader, and I'm not you know, kind of you know winking and nodding to any of this when it comes to the savers, it has nothing to do with that. But right, um, but it went you know if you've got like a like a room that where the leadership dynamic is really off. And nobody can really call each other, you know, can call things out when they happen. That's really tough because uh, you need somebody that can that can balance all that out, or you know, kind of be like a Michael Jordan and just be such a such an alpha male in there that nobody wants to get on that guy's bad side. So everybody just stays in line, you know. Like that's that that that's kind of the way some teams have to be. Like that, like the best player has to be so good that they can just be. So in your face about stuff that everybody's just kind of like, listen, if, it's the old like, if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And in this case, like, if that guy ain't happy, ain't nobody gonna be happy here. So let's just let's just do things right. So this guy's just not such a huge dick.
1: <laughs> that why do I don't know why? And again, you said it. It is not directly reflective of the savers whatsoever. But as you're saying it, I don't know why Jack Eichel's image just kept popping in my mind. <laughs> uh, Maybe I'm wrong. That's all right though. <laughs> the other big news with the Bills, literally just minutes before we started taping this, the left tackle, Deion Dawkins. Signs a four-year, $60 million extension. I looked it up. For the moment, that puts him like seventh among left tackles in annual salary. But soon enough, a year or two into that deal, because this is an extension, it will be maybe slightly middle of the pack. I thought it was a nice deal, a good team-friendly deal. Here's the question I got. So, as opposed to Deion Dawkins, I'm pretty sure we'll come to the same conclusion. He's a good player with a lot of promise that still has a lot of room to grow. He plays an important position, left tackle. Anytime you get an opportunity to lock your left tackle up, your blindside guy for four years, at a deal that's not grossly overpaid, then it's a good thing. And I think that we both agree that the money is perfectly fine. But here's the question I had for you because you would know this mainly from covering hockey players, of course, but how much of a distraction is it or do you think it could be when you're playing out that final year of your contract, especially when it's a smaller deal and you know that you're in line for a huge raise when the season's over. That could have been the case with Deion Dawkins going in the last year of his deal. But you know, when you're going into that last year, these guys are human, man. It has to weigh on their minds somewhat about this being a business and uh, to be able to have that taken care of before that season is a good thing. But that's got to be a distraction if you're playing out your final year of a contract, would you think?
0: I think it's different for I think it's different for older players than it is younger guys because younger guys are just like you know whatever I'm still coming back I'm still gonna be you know they still want to get paid you know right (laughs) Um, I can I can you know remember talking to Sam Reinhardt when he was going through uh, the end of his entry level deal season and you know everybody was like hey what's going on what's happening and you know one of the you know one of the questions I remember asking him was was, you know, how much, you know, how much of a role are you playing in the negotiations? And he's, and he just looks at me, He just kind of cocks his head and he goes, he goes. He said, well, it's my future. You know, of course I got to, of course I've got to say in it. And I was like, yeah, dumb question. Sorry, my bad. But you know, some guys just leave it to their agents and just be like, Hey, you go take this, take care of this for me. Here are my parameters, get it done this way. And you know, for some guys that stuff really weighs on them. And that's, I mean, I think that's appropriate. I mean, that's, that's your future. That's what you're getting paid. That's that, that's something where I think that, it, you know, it, it does weigh in your mind. But I, I think for older guys, it's a way bigger deal because it's more of a question of, you know, you know, I think in the NFL, NFL and NHL age ranges are kind of getting pretty close, really, because you know, how many guys are playing past, you know, 31, 32 in the NFL and getting, you know, huge payouts or early, you know, huge guaranteed payouts. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, you know, that. That, that becomes a really tough age for those guys where it's just kind of like, geez, Mike coming back for, you know, maybe a million, you know, am I going to get a deal? Am I going to have to sweat it out until the start of training camp? Like, you know, what's the deal? Um, you know, whereas the NHL, NHL's made it so hard and this has got to change, you know, for guys that are 34, 35, once you started hitting that 35 barrier where, you know, the cap hits were, you know, automatic, regardless of what level they were playing on or they're injured or whatever the deal was. and, you know, for those guys it basically made them kryptonite for teams to sign them. Cause they're just like, listen, you know, this guy might get hurt and he might be done. And then we're stuck with that cap hit for, for X number a year, you know, if it's a year or two, you're just stuck with it. And you know, if you're, if you're that player and you're at that point, it's got a weigh on you. I, I think if you're at that point in your career where you're like, I can still do this, I can still do it. And your agent's kind of like, well, listen, the future didn't look that great for, for trying to find a new deal. So you know, good luck. But I think in the case of guys like Dawkins, you know that deal for me is totally fine for exactly what you said because give it another year or two, he's probably it's probably going to be the eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh most. He'll be the you know most paid right. left tackle, and that's fine. It, it comes with raised expectations. I mean, every time, you know, anytime Josh Allen takes a hit from from his side, people are going to be like, "What the hell? are We paying you? You know that kind of stuff." But but I mean that. I mean that, that comes with the job. That's that's the whole thing. But paying that guy, and he's been so good for the community as well. I mean, that, I, I think you're. I think if you're paying if you're paying him a little extra to do that, I think that's totally worth it because he's been such a good dude for the room and for the you know certainly for the media. Everybody loves talking to him. Everybody loves to deal with him. So um, that, that that makes sense for a few reasons. But I don't I don't I don't sweat that dollar amount. I mean, if they paid him top dollar money, then yeah, I might have some issues there. But um, but for for the kind of player it, player he it is in that role, left tackle, it's vital. You gotta you gotta take care of those guys.
1: I think um, I like the fact that they, and I think it plays well in the locker room. I like the fact that they rewarded one of their own with a good contract for playing well in 2018. I thought Deion Dawkins was horrible. Not in fairness, the entire offensive line was bad. It was like historically bad, but he improved. He played really good last year. So you're paying one of your own guys for playing better as opposed to letting him walk and paying some big money to someone else who's not in that locker room or hasn't been in there. So I think that's something that definitely resonates with the players well in Buffalo. Switching gears real quick. I just want to get a quick thought from you because you actually live in the city of Buffalo right now. I don't. The Toronto Blue Jays played a pair of home games this week, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, two very exciting games too downtown at salins Field. Uh, what's the excitement level been like? I I've noticed A lot of the sports media guys that I follow who are just, you know, general sports, they're excited to be able to cover these games. Um, But anyway, like what's the, how's the vibe of the city been with baseball? Do you feel like it's embraced the blue Jays pretty well?
0: I think it has. I I think people are are genuinely excited about it. It's, it's a bit muted because you can't go to the games. Yeah. Um, That's, that's, that I think is the biggest tease of all of it. Like everything about it is really historic and it's very cool. Uh, It's, it's an awesome thing to see. Um, But I, it's such a it's such a bummer <laughs> that nobody yeah. can go to the games you know people i don't blame anybody for standing out by the uh the you know the 190 on-ramp <laughs> trying to trying to catch I saw a picture the park. Of that. yeah <laughs> you know yeah i i saw the um i you know people are getting up in a seneca one tower to try to watch the games from up there and you know it's it's all kinds of stuff like that where people are just people just want to get a view they want to get a piece of it and you know it's, it's such a huge sports town that to have something like this happen in this kind of situation it's it's such a bittersweet thing because nobody nobody apart from you know from media are able to take part in in the games being here and like those games man if everything was cool here i mean I, first of all they wouldn't be playing here if everything was good here let's let's not sure. let's not let's, let's not you know try to bend the reality but um but if this were a situation, you know, say if, you know, the, there was something wrong with Sky Dome and they weren't able to play and they came here, every game would be sold out. Like, sold out beyond belief. And, and like, you know, it doesn't matter. A game, game against the Marlins, like, nobody nobody really cares about the Marlins. I do because Don Mattingly's there. That's the only reason right. I care. But, um, but you know, games like that. But, I mean, imagine what it would be like here when Boston comes to town or, you know, when the Yankees come here in September. What? what, what? You're talking tickets would go – Go on the secondary market for hundreds upon hundreds of dollars. Like it doesn't matter where that seat is, people will just be like, "Get me in." And the the fun part is that stadium. There's no bad seat. Like there is not a right. bad seat in there uh, to watch those games. So it's it's to me it's an awesome thing that is just kind of it's so emblematic of what's going on here with COVID. Where it's just like, wow, this thing's awesome, and we can't do anything about it. Like it's just yeah can't have fun like it's fun and it's fun in your mind but you can't have actual fun with it because you can't you know you can't even go to like a parking garage and stand on the roof to try to you know maybe catch a rowdy telez homer or something or you know you can't stand out of the night like nobody can stand on you shouldn't be standing on the 190 on ramp in the first place like that's just dangerous but um (laughs) the way people drive around here no chance no thanks (laughs) i don't want to stand there but i mean it's just like People like, uh, people text to me and they're just like, wow, I've seen the stadium. How cool is this? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm sitting at home and I can't go to the game. So I guess, it's, I guess it's
1: cool, I guess. Do you get a sense? And again, you would not know this without data and research and stuff like that. But just your gut, does it tell you if Buffalo were to have a, a full-time major league team, do you think Western New York would be able to support it? Now, I'm not talking about the ballpark. That goes without saying, this is a minor league ballpark. The ballpark would have to change. It had to be a better ballpark, but let's just pretend for the sake of discussion that they built a new, a brand new ballpark that was major league baseball compatible. And again, prefacing it by saying right now, this is different. It's exciting. There's been a hundred years since major league baseball has been played in Buffalo. So, you know, it's exciting in its short term right now, but long-term for the long haul, if there was, the Buffalo Bisons got an MLB franchise, do you feel like Western New York could support a third major pro sports team? Cause I don't know, man. It's, it's a real hard debate.
0: I, part of me wants to say yes, because it occurs not when either team, either the Sabres or or the, uh, the Bills are playing. Like to me, that's, that sets it aside. Uh, but I know summertime is when a lot of people are trying to get out of town. Uh, people want to go on vacations. They, you know, if people are going to get, uh, season tickets for, for baseball here. Like, you know, you're, you're breaking those up with other, you know, you're doing like, I I can't imagine one person paying all that money to go to every single, every single game and just saying like, yep, this is what, this is what my spring through fall is going to be. Um, but I mean, that's, you know, everybody's breaking up those packages and, and, and doing it that way. Part of me wants to believe that it could work here. And, you know, it's not that Buffalo hasn't tried before. They tried in the 60s uh, when the Expos got it. And they tried again in the 90s when the Rockies and the Marlins got, got teams. And You know, that's, you know, I, I, to me that, you know, when they didn't get it in in, in 1990, was it? When the Rockies and Marlins, I think it was 90 or 91. Um, yeah,
1: it was right around that. I'm not quite sure of exactly what year, but right around that, yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, Buffalo loses
0: out then and it was just kind of like, well, that's probably the last chance at it. And I, I think that's still true. That being said, you know, baseball keeps talking. They want to add teams, which I think is probably a little advantageous on their part. I think that's a little aggressive. Um, But you always see cities like Portland and Charlotte and Vegas uh, and even like San Antonio gets thrown into the mix. And And I'm just like at that point, and that's not to say that, you know, Portland's a small place or Charlotte's a small place. Any of those cities are small places. But at that point, I started thinking like, well, why not Buffalo? Like, you've got to cre- like the sports fan base here is unbelievably intense. You know, they they certainly come out and support uh, the Bisons. You know, it helps that it, they're tied in with Toronto. Uh, I think that that plays a huge part in it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's such a huge step up, and everything that goes in that goes into trying to get a major league team going and to support it and to, to you know to to drive people to the to the stadium all the time. It, I think in our in our minds it sounds like it would be a great idea, but I, I, I think it's something where the general poorness of the area, and I'm just talking about you know making money and very fair. Sure, I think yeah. that I think that's a bigger issue. Like support, you know, buying season tickets for the Bills is easy because it's eight games. You know, well, mm-hmm. ten with preseason, and then you know playoff games. Okay, fine. Like at most, you're 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 getting what twelve games in a season, uh, for football. And then hockey, you know, it's 41 games. It's not cheap. It's getting progressively less cheap as time goes on. And, you know, that, that, that's that's a tougher one. And, you know, obviously we've seen the team struggles. Uh, people stop going to the games. And then, you know, people can't even sell their tickets on the secondary market. So that's hard. Um, right. but, but if baseball was going to work here, the tickets would have to be cheap. Uh, I mean, you have to get your big donors and everybody to buy your boxes and and your expensive seats. So you can't price it like new Yankee stadium. You can't have, you can't have $500 seats behind home plate. Like you can't do things like that. But, um, but even like, I would need to go through and see which teams charge the least for games. I got to imagine Tampa Bay has got to be, got to be pretty low on that scale for, for baseball, but
1: uh, I'm not sure about the ticket prices, but I'll tell you this. And I live, I live less than a half hour away from the trop Mm -hmm. and, both Miami, or not Miami, both Florida teams, the support in terms of fans down here in Florida is horrific, it's fucking terrible, man. Miami doesn't even average, or they barely average 10,000 fans a game. And they suck, so it's whatever. But like Tampa Bay, dude, this is an AL legitimate contender last year. They were in a playoff race for the whole year. They made the postseason, and they didn't even average 15,000 fans a game. So in terms of that, you think in your mind, you're like, man, I know Buffalo get both 15,000 fans a game. But yeah, you bring up great points. The affordability would be a big thing because in my mind, I want to say, well, football season is long over and baseball season will only run into the end of baseball season towards the end will run into football and then hockey. But yeah, economically, you got to be like, all right, there's not a lot of Sabres and Bills fans who hold season tickets for both because that's hard to afford as it is. Now add a third team in there. Oof. Yeah. I don't know, man. And especially because
0: that team would not be good right off the hop like they' are like expansion right. baseball teams are not good for for years and right. you know I mean that, that I mean it was crazy it's crazy when the Rays made the World Series in 08 and it was like they had already been around for what was it ten years I think at that point like they had been around for ten years like the diamondbacks got got really good really fast and it was just kind of like okay well it's a little different but like you know they you know neither of the well tampa Tampa sort of did it ish uh, in 08, but like Arizona, like that team was not a homegrown team. That was, that was, that those were veteran guys from, from everywhere. And then an elite pitching, you know, elite starting pitching staff. So, I mean, that, that that's a little different. I mean, if
1: I'm looking it up right now, yeah. Yeah. I'm looking it up as you said that because you're right. And I completely forgot. I'm going back to Tampa. Yeah. They've their first season was in 98. They made the world series in 2008. So you're talking 10 years before that. Yeah. And before they hit the world series, dude, I'm looking right now, they didn't even hit, 70 wins was the most wins they got in their first seven years. So yeah, the team, yeah. you better expect your team. It's one thing the first year, who cares? Excitement, it's new. But yeah, mm-hmm. you're going in the year two, three, four of not having a competitive team. That'd be rough.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think with, like, with, with Buffalo, like Bison's games, you're able to get sellouts at Bison's games and Bison's tickets are, are cheap. Like Bison's tickets are really, really cheap. Uh, you know, when you can buy a ticket to sit behind home plate and it costs you 12, 15 bucks, that's Definitely. awesome. Like that, that, that to me is the, the the greatest part of minor league baseball is that you can pay nothing and sit as close to the games as, as you can. And like, that's, that's incredible. But, th- but you're talking about those tickets going from, you know, 15, 16 bucks to being what, 80, $90 probably. I mean, I, I think yeah, that's, a good that's, pro- that's, that's probably at the low end. Uh, I would imagine as, as far as baseball goes, but I mean, you know, maybe I'm just ruined from going to Yankee stadium, but, um, but I mean, you know, the, the, the games that you get guaranteed sellouts for Bisons are the star Wars game and what last, you know, and it, maybe some of the fireworks nights. Yeah. Like that's, about, that's it. about it. Like you're not like, they don't sell out at all. There, there's a game I went to last season where it was, it was early in the year and it was cold. Like, do not mistake this. This was like a 45 degree night and it was stupid. Like, you know, I got the tickets for free and like, you know, me, and, you know, me and my buddy Bill Hoppy are sitting out there and a few others, a few other hockey heads. I think was Lance Lasowski and maybe Dan Dunleavy and uh, Heather Engel and like a whole bunch of us are just sitting out there and, and I'm looking around and I'm going, I bet I could count everybody else. I can, I can count the attendance by sitting here right now. <laughs> And they're like, come on, no, you're not going to do it. I was like, no, 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 I'm going to do it. <laughs> so like everybody visible, visible to me, you know, we're sitting third base side. And, you know, so if anybody's sitting above us in, that, in that, set, you know, that second deck where, you know, the party boxes and everything is, if anybody's sitting up there above me, I can't tell. But everybody that I could visibly see, I counted that were not stadium workers. I counted 77 people. <laughs> and I mean, don't mistake it. Like it was an April, right. it was like a late April game. It was cold. Like it was cold out. Like it was just like just a terror. Like it was a clear night. It wasn't even raining. So it's just, it was just straight up cold. But I mean, 70 people at a game and <laughs> like, yeah. you know, now if you're, if you're, if you're doing major league baseball and like, if you're pulling in a raise crowd, you're talking about like a raise crowd where they pull 15,000. The Bisons do that twice a year. And like that's their best crowd of the year. So mm-hmm. if you're gonna jack the ticket prices up and you're gonna play 81 games, man, like, yeah, you, you got to do a lot of goodwill and you got to do a lot of outreach and you got to get like you know camps and you know baseball school, like all sorts of stuff around baseball leagues. Just paper the stadium, try to get investment, and just try to figure it out from there. It's that would be really hard. I, as much as great as it would be, as fun as it would be. As much as I would love having Major League Baseball in this town, uh, that would be really hard.
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, Sustainability would be the problem. Let's put it this way, and I'm not knocking at all the Western New York support of Buffalo Bisons baseball. It's been very good, especially on a minor league level. But piggybacking on what you said, I have been to some games here and there, and maybe they were meaningless games at various points of the season. But let's just say this. There were many games where the odds of me catching a foul ball were very high because there was not a lot of competition in these sections to go chasing after a ball. You know I'm saying? But uh, <laughs> but yeah, sustainability would be the issue. I would say for the only oppor- the only chance that Major League Baseball would have in Buffalo is if there were only two sports teams. So the Sabres would have to go bye-bye. And clearly that's not going to happen. You know what? That's a good segue there. An unintentional one. Sabres here. I want to get your reaction to these new or slash old uniforms, whatever you want to call it, the return to Royal. I'm going to tell you a, a really quick, funny story. And then I want to get your thoughts on these jerseys. I've been, and you've been on the show with me a couple times. I, I pretty much hate the Sabres over these last couple of years. I, I've said this many times. I don't try to hide it. I hate just about everything about this organization. Furthermore, I'm not a Jersey guy. I, I know a lot of people love collecting jerseys. It's just not what I do. Like you go, I have a pretty especially for a male man. I got a bigger closet than normal with a lot of clothes, and I'm telling you right now I don't have any jerseys. But that's a lie. I have an Eric Mould jersey. I'm looking right now. Aside from that though, I don't collect jerseys. I don't buy jerseys. Something about those jerseys that I saw earlier this week ignited me, man. I got excited. I don't know why I did, but I did. I got excited in I find myself going from hating this team to wanting to go buy some of their gear right now. And I'm being dead serious too. It's crazy. But anyway, your thoughts, man. What did you think about them?
0: It's, it's a long overdue correction as far as I'm concerned. Like this is, this sort of look is what they should have done when they decided to ditch the uh, the, the slugs. Like I, mm-hmm. if there's something, I, I can't wow. knock the slugs for the colors that they had. The colors were beautiful. And I think that was something where I, even Danny Breer told me, you know, when I asked him about when they, when they made that change and he was, he was like, I was so excited for them. You know, we're going back to the old colors. He's like, that's what I grew up watching. I love that. And then they had this logo on there and I was just like, that's not what, it's not at all what I was thinking it was going to be, but the colors were great. And then, you know, they went back to the, they went back to the, the original logo, which was good, but then it was too many bells and whistles. You know, they add silver to it. Uh, the blue was dark blue and it was just like, okay, like, all right, fine. And then, You know that those jerseys, right? You know, after they went back to it, like they they had gray patches under the arms that was basically sweat stain, you know, pit stain patches. It was right. What the hell is like? What are we? What? Why are we overthinking this? Just (laughs) get it, get it back to the way it used to be. And I think everybody was of that mind. And this was, you know, when they teased this last year and they said, "Hey, listen, we're going back to the old color." Well, good. Go back to the old look on top of it. Like, just get it, get it figured out. It's not, it's not very difficult. Um, but it looks beautiful. Everything about it looks great. Um, that the white jersey—if you know—if if what Lance wrote is is true—that they want to try to wear that at home as much as possible—it's a great idea. It's the yeah. better looking of the two. Um, but like the colors, the colors perfect. And I mean, you see that with you know with the the sweatshirts getting handed out to to Thurman and Josh Allen and Trey White and those guys. I mean, it just everything about it looks perfect. It's like a return. To, to how things used to be good, and I I, I think that's a not not a, a not quite unintended uh, side effect of that because it makes you think back to the you know, to the days of McGilmy and Andrew Chuck and 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 Howard Chuck and Lafontaine and you know even when you know when Hasik first got got to Buffalo like that that's what those jerseys make you think of right? I mean to me now, if I were older maybe I'm thinking Gilbert maybe I'm thinking Rick Martin maybe I'm thinking... you know thinking of Don Edwards or, or whoever, but, but to me, like I think of how fun that 93 team was wearing that, wearing that stuff and McGillney LaFontaine, just, just lighting, setting the lead mm-hmm. on fire. And um, that to me is what, what that makes me think of. And that's, that's a great thing. Like that's a color combo that nobody, the way those colors are situated. It's not one that really anybody else has like, no, you know, Nashville's close. St. Louis is close. Uh, but they all but they were always all darker blue. St Louis wasn't for a little bit but but I mean, I look at that, I just look at it, and I'm just like, yeah, this is exactly the way the way it's supposed to be now, you get that out of the way, you got the you probably it's it's to me it's a top five looking uniform set in the league right now I, it's but i but it's like what I tweeted that day where I said, you know teams figure it out along the way, like they had a they had a look that they had whether it was in the you know seventies eighties early nineties where they said, wow, okay, this, this is what we are. And then they go away from it because, you know, everybody changes at some point, you got to sell new jerseys, new merch, all that stuff. I get it. I I'm not going to hold it against anybody for changing looks up. I get it. But like you figure it out along the way. And then you, then you're just like, you know what, maybe we had it right all along. And that's, that's where you wind up with, with this kind of look. And I think the bills kind of did that too. You know those those terrible Drew Bledsoe era uniforms and yeah. helmets. They had it was just like I what, hated what them. What is this? Like, get it out yeah. of here. So like the like what they have now is sort of like a sixties hybrid. You know where the helmets not. You know the, the helmets kind of like a late seventies sort of thing. Like it's a great set. It's a beautiful looking set. Like it's a, it's a it's exactly what you want. And I think that's the case for the Sabres. They got they got something where it's like yes this is this is no longer a question. The only problem is that the team stinks. And people don't want to pay money now because they're just like, I don't want to I don't line their pockets. These guys have been screwing us around for, for years. So
1: Yeah, but you know what, Joe? It's the first thing this team has probably done in a couple years that universally and unanimously was liked. Everything they do is division. I mean, Christ, even when they got rid of Jason Bottrell, which it seemed every fan in the world wanted, they screwed the press conference up. And by the end of that presser, Everybody was mad at the team again. Yeah. This is the first thing they've done where like even the, even the grumpy bastards like myself are like, yeah, I'm excited <laughs> about this. Look like now I want to see this team back on the ice. They, they, I don't know if they're fooling me, then hats off to them then because I'm sort of excited about that, which by the way, that's going to be, I'm going to task you with the question, but I'm going to get to that in a second based off being a salesperson because you better be a goddamn good one <laughs> when I get to this. But before that, real quick, the Sabres handed out on social media, they they put up a post on their website, some team awards for the year. Very standard, very vanilla and bland as far as I'm concerned anyway. They did MVP, obviously that was Jack Eichel and he won an off ice foundation award. Good for him, that's cool. Um, They also had rookie of the year, Victor Olsson, obviously. And then they had unsung hero. That's the only one that I wanted to get uh, a take from you. What did you think on Kyle Ocfos being unsung hero on the team? And if you don't think he would have got that, who would you have given it to? And by the way, before you answer after that, because again, I thought they were vanilla and bland and should have been more creative. I got three awards that I want you to hand out. But anyway, first your thought on Akposo.
0: You know, there's always an award like that. Like the Bruins do an award where it's uh, the seventh man award and they do, they do a thing like that where, you know, it's the guy who, you know, the guy who's not winning the other awards. It's like, Hey, who stepped up to the plate and you know, kind of, you know, had had success and did well, even though, even though it was, uh, you know, maybe maybe not expected or or, or what have you. I, I, and you know, awards like this are just kind of kind of very gray in their description, so you can just basically do whatever you want with it. Um, but choosing Kyle, like I'm, I'm totally okay with that, um, just because. And like I know the contract, I get it. <laughs> Believe me, I get it. Yeah. Um, but like he was a guy who was, you know, I, I think this, this was a year where, you know, the mask came off where it was just like, all right, listen, this guy's, this guy's not a leading scorer now. He's not, he's not going to put on 25 goals. He's not going to, he's not going to get 60 points, but instead he was tasked with like, okay, Kyle, like, listen, if we're playing you on the fourth line, we just want you to four check like crazy. Just hit guys. You're big, you're big and strong hit guys and just kind of wreck shop. And that's exactly what he did. Like that that line, him and Larson and Jurgensen's outside of Jack's line was probably the most efficient and productive line. And I don't mean just offensive production, but like, you know, the, the time they were able to, to frustrate opponents, you know, when they had the puck and they would take the puck away from them and then they would keep the puck away from them. I mean, yeah, you want more goals, you want more offense from them, but man, oh man, you can't, I cannot fault them one bit for for the job that they were asked to do and the job they did because they were really good all season. And I think Kyle, Kyle's an example of that where he, he you know, considering he's a six million dollar a year guy and he's a guy that was brought in to score, it's a lot of pride you gotta swallow to be like, here, go forecheck check the other team to death and hit guys. If you get goals, great. That's cool, we'll take it, but we just really need you to change the energy of the game uh to be in our favor. You know, get some force them to 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 have face-offs in their end and we'll put Jack out there and we'll, we'll score some goals like that. You got to swallow a lot of pride when you're a guy that's been a, that's been a scorer in the league for so long that now it's like, okay, I'm a fourth line guy. I'm a grinder. Like that's that's a lot to ask of a guy. And I think for, for Kyle, he relished in it. I think that that was the biggest part for me was that he, you know, he didn't throw an attitude about it. He could have just, you know, had a, had his pride step in front and be like, no, listen, I can still score. I can still do this you better put me either put me on Jack's line or you put me on that second line and let me go to work. And it's like, that's the case. Then I don't know. I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's, he's effective at all in that case, but uh, for what he was asked to do, if there was, if there was a guy that I would have, and I'll never argue anything over Kyle. If there was a guy that I would have given it to instead, it would have been Larson Um, just because I think he's a guy who just got dunked on by the fan, by the fans and a lot of, a lot of other writers for such a long time for just, you know, or this, that, or the other reason. And he just, the dude just goes out and does a friggin' job really well. And he pisses off the other team, makes guys on the other team want to punch his face out. And he's just a pain in the ass. Like his teammates call him an asshole and they smile while saying it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like, th- 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 there's roles for guys like that. But I think in Kyle's case, Unsung Hero, like, that's totally fine. Like, the dude just, he lifts the other guys up in the room. Like, he's such, he's just such a class dude. Um, that I totally get it. Like I'll never take that away from him at all. Like that's, that's a award where I totally get it. I know I'm totally dunking on every single reason you had for not giving him
1: that award. Well, um, that's fair. But, I, um, but in my perspective, like it totally made sense. Look, I like hearing a, opposing viewpoints It uh, makes the world go round. but I'll tell you what, I got three more. Like I said, I thought they were bland and they lack creativity. So, Let's add a couple more. And by the way, I did not tell you about these added times. So it not like you had a chance to sit here and really ponder over <laughs> a bunch of awards. I'm kind of throwing these at you out of clear blue sky. Let's start with something good. Who would have been your most pleasant surprise player? Like We'll call it most pleasant surprise or breakout player, whatever you want to call it. But your most pleasantly surprised player of the year. Uh, I, I would say Henry Oki, How are you? Okay. I, I don't know. I don't know what the expectations
0: really were for him coming in. I think everybody thought he was going to come in and be like another puck carrying, you know, maybe like a mini Darlene sort of type. Um, but he came in and he was really solid defensively. Um, I mean, it's it's sheltered opponents, you know, he's sheltered usage, and like that's fine. He's he's twenty years old. Like you got you gotta you gotta be mindful of some of that stuff. But um, but I think for what he added, I I think he was he was such a huge surprise, that I think he really changed a lot of. A lot of the thoughts that that even like Ralph and and Botrell had going into the season because I don't know that they were expecting him to be as good as he was right right from the hop because they had a lot of hard decisions to make on defense that they had to they had to sort of change course when when Henry stepped up so I think that's that's my guy who's the most pleasant surprise because I think with that deal with you know with him him for Alex Nylander, you know I, I think everybody knew every, Nylander was done here I think the you know everybody was just kind of like this is time has passed on that. Uh, but to get a guy that immediately, you know, jumped into your lineup and was was a top contributor on D, that's that's huge. That's that's a that's a, I, a that's a really happy surprise.
1: It is. I agree. And frankly, as I look at the roster and the stats, I really don't think there would have been a lot of competition for any anybody else. Now, say if it would have been like, I think he could have won. You could have said biggest bright spot. Now, obviously, you couldn't include like Jack Eichel or Rasmus that mm-hmm. goes without saying. But ah, uh, yeah, that's actually a. An easier award than I thought, as I look at this now. the other one, why I just said there wasn't a probably a lot of legitimate candidates. Probably a lot of them for this category. Biggest disappointment, and I, I mean it's a tough category to define. But maybe considering expectations of what you thought you'd see from them at the end of the year, uh, you know, left you wanting a lot more. So biggest disappointment based on that criteria.
0: Yeah, it, this is this is one where I could almost fill out like a like a like an actual NHL awards, you know, five person ballot. Yeah, uh, to, to be way too honest, to me it's a battle between Marcus Johansson and Jeff Skinner, and you know mm-hmm. I can come up with good reasons, really good reasons to not pick either of them. Honestly, like Johansson had was forced to play center all year, um, a position he hadn't played in seven seasons, and like not just center, but like second line center. I mean, not you know not like he was getting easy yeah. matchups or or uh, or anything like that, but like. Tell him, telling them to go out there and be like, "Hey, go out and win key faceoffs." And oh, also, you're gonna have to spend most of your time against uh, John Tavares and <laughs> uh, David Krejci, and you know, think of all the number two centers around the league, where like these guys are like legit, like wow, they would be, a, they could be could could be a number one on a lot of teams, and yet here's Marcus who has to go out and. And and try to deal with that. You know, it's the defensive matchup playing center. Like that's playing defense as a center is really freaking hard. And you know, that's a big reason why Sam Reinhardt's playing right wing. I mean, there's there's that part of it too. So, um, and that's not to knock Sam's defensive play. People love to do that. But uh, but as a center, like you almost you have to sacrifice a lot of your offense to play center too, because you got to be good defensively. Um, or you could just be so good at offense that it changes how other centers play against you so that your defense gets a little bit easier. Like in Jack's mm-hmm. case, like you gotta, you gotta spend so much time worrying about where Jack is. Um, it kind of takes away from your offense because if he squeaks out of the zone and he's off on a breakaway. Well, forget it. He's going to score mm-hmm. um, when, you know, in, in a guy like Skinner's case, it, he was so snake bit and people hate that term. They hate the term snake, bit. they're just, I ah, just score a goddamn goal. Like, okay. Okay. I get it. But you know, lowest plus minus on the team. That's really hard. You know, he, he didn't, he didn't score any power play goals. He didn't really get a lot of power play time. First off, uh, which is which is bonkers. But um, but I mean, you know, minus twenty two. He only scored fourteen goals, and he started heating up when things got shut down. So maybe he cracks twenty if they finish up the season. You know, he got hurt for a little bit, but it was just like a it was it's the, it's the total statistical you know regression to the mean thing. He shot so far over his head percentage wise last year where he was he was like 20 20 to 22 percent at one point and then he got remember he got ice cold at the end of the year Everybody thought he could score 50 uh and then he needed to score two in the last game of the season to get to 40 uh, because he went cold for like 16 games you know, or something like the end of the year um which i mean that's that's what happens in his career like next year he's probably gonna score 30 i would but that's on the sports books. I'm probably going to throw a few bucks on that just to, just just to be able to cash in on it. But I mean, he shot like 7%, 7. 7 7.7% this year. And that, you know, that matches his career low, like stuff happens, you know, sometimes goalies get in the way of the puck. Sometimes the puck rolls on you like that sort of stuff. So it's disappointing because he was being counted on to have a similar season. I'm not saying there people were like, he's going to score 40 again. He has to, like, that's really hard, but you to put up 30, like that's a, that's a pretty regular season for him. But, you know he's still. This is more damning of the of the team, but he was still fourth in the team in goals with fourteen.
1: Um, right.
0: Yeah, like that's. I mean, that's that's and Gergensen's was fifth, so that's even that's even more bonkers. But, um, but like that's like that to me. Those two stand out as the most disappointing. I think you could you could certainly throw Connor Sherry into that mix. You know, before he got traded, Brandon Montour you can certainly throw in there. But again, he's another guy where you can put an excuse in there. Like they played on his offhand side. Most of the season, and you know that's not fair to him. That's not where he's most effective. And you know, it's uh, you know, it's just like you know, Casey Middlestad, Throw him into the pool too. Like that's you know, guys like that where it's just like, oh yeah, okay. There's a lot of reason. but
1: <laughs> there <it's>, really <laughs> he is. There's a lot. But of
0: I'm telling you, you could do a top five. You could do a top five ballot and 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 go from there. But Carter might even, too. Like, but I was just gonna
1: say him. I apparently, was just he couldn't see the puck him. half
0: the year. So great.
1: You know, if he played decent, the Sabers—well, they might not be playing today, but they would at least would have been playing in the bubble at some point if he just played decent a couple more games than he did. Not even great, just even decent. If they yeah. won, if they had won one
0: more game, turn one of those L like a regulation loss into a win, they're probably in the bubble.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's the killer. That's
0: the killer part. Or if they play that last game against Montreal, if they beat Montreal regulation, they're in. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, so many man. like razor razor thin edge stuff to be the twenty fourth best team. You know, yeah. like that's, that that's how, that's how low the bar was set. And that's why it's totally why Jason gets fired.
1: I got one more for you. I'm going to call this one, the, uh, the guy stuck in the mud. Okay. This is going to be a guy who you're not any, he's not any better or he's not any worse than he was a year ago. He, you still feel the exact same. We didn't really learn anything about them. So somebody who's stuck in the mud, that'll be the last award we do.
0: You might as well name this one the Rasmus Ristolainen Award,
1: I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the first guy I thought of, though. Well, who would well, you think? Take. My first one is actually Allmark. Okay. I, don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not sold. I feel the exact same way right now that I did before the season. I'm not sold on him being a number one goaltender in the NHL whatsoever. I know he's a number one goaltender in this organization, but I'm not sold on him being a number one in the NHL at all. But at the same token, I don't think he stinks either. I think he could be, but I'm not sold on him at all. So I don't feel any different about him now than I did a year ago. That's my guy.
0: Yeah. I, 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 the, the, the penalty kill was, he took it on the chin the hardest with that. Because I think his save percentage on the, on, on the penalty kill was the same as Carter Hutton's. Like they had the exact same, which yeah. tells you everything you need to know about how bad the PK was that both goalies who were distinctly different had distinctly different success all season. Uh, had the same, the same exact, you know, efficiency of stopping pucks on the PK. So, uh, yeah. I mean, Elmark, was he was still nine fifteen. That's still that's pretty good, but he was over nine thirty, not on the PK. Like that's it's top ten. That's in the week.
1: Yeah, top, that you know?
0: is good. So, I mean, you know, Ralph got, gets so frustrated. You know about the PK saying, "Oh, it's an easy thing to pick on." Well, yeah, <laughs> yes, it is. It was extremely bad. The only team worse was Detroit, and they they made the the tank sabers look you know decent in comparison. So right, um, so that's not that to me is not that's not the boat you want to be sailing in. Like that's that's a boat that's that doesn't have a bottom to it. So, um, but to me, you know, risk the line, and it's the same thing. Like he's great on the power play. Like he gets points. He's he's got a good shot. He does a lot of really good things, but also he's not great defensively. He's got, you know, his, the good instincts that he had are long gone now because he, he had to play on such, you know, dog shit teams and play a lot of minutes for him that, you know, he developed all these bad habits that it's really hard to shake them off. You know, at least, at least this year, the, I stopped seeing him do, you know, the chip it off the glass and ice the puck move that he used to do constantly. It would drive me crazy where he's, you know, doesn't have anybody around him, but all he knew was, oh, dump the puck, get it out, like that. Like that was choice A, B, and C in 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 the playbook for him. So he he stopped doing that at, at least predictably this season. So that's that's good. But you know, it's for every good thing, there's at least two bad things. Or you know, if he has a game with three good things, then there's still one bad thing that really sticks out. So um, to me, he's just he's just kind of he is who he is, and, and I don't know if that's fair to say he's stuck in the mud, but. You know, the good, the the good, the good and the bad kind of neutralize each other. So he's just, he looks really average. And when you're paid five and a half million dollars a season to be average, that's, it's not great.
1: Yeah. I hear you, man. All right. So here was the deal that I was talking about earlier. Instead of being hashtag hire Joe Yurden, I want you to be hashtag salesman Joe Yurden. I want you to sell me or any skeptic out there, why it's okay to be excited about Sabres hockey next season. Now, Let's pretend the organization tabbed you and your sole job, that's it, is to sell hope to skeptics like me. Sell me hope on why the Sabres can and will be an exciting team going forward.
0: Well, to me, it starts all with Jack Eichel. Like you, we saw last year, he, he was going to be a 40 to 45 goal guy last season. Um, he took so many steps last year and he was the absolute, you know, like, as somebody who is representing the team here, I can't, you know, really condone the t-shirts that said, I'm only here to see Jack, but um, that's a really good reason to come and buy a ticket because he's that good. Um, that, 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 that to me, he's reasons one, you know, one, one, two and three and a top, in a top 10 list of, of reasons to go to, to be excited about the team. He's that good. Um, you know, People have been waiting for him to make that, to make that leap and to, to really look like the guy. Well, you didn't think he looked like the guy last season. I don't, I, I do not know what to tell you um, about it. You know, like that, that's, that, that, that's an issue I can't fix even with with the, with my most sleazy car salesman style. Uh, I can't, I, I, I can't fix you thinking that Jack Eichel isn't all that he's cut out to be. He's very much right. Like um, yeah. I, I would also put it on Darlene, you know, this is easy picking the guys that are, you know, top one, two picks, I, but I, the way Darlene played after he got, after he got concussed in Tampa um, was exactly what you want to see from him. He, He was more defensively responsible, but he was doing way more with the puck. He was, he was taking charge. And my hope there is that you're going to see him absolutely be the number one defenseman next season. I think that's, that that's that's something to be excited about because he's a guy who can score you you know fifteen goals, and he can also take care of things defensively and help spur the offense forward. I think that 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 to me is is a huge reason to be excited. And um, and I think from there that, that then I got to sell a little bit of hope to you. I got I got I got to say, hey, listen, Dylan Cousins is coming, and he's gonna be exciting. You might have to be a little patient you know, with him. Cause he's going to be a night, you know, 19 year old kid trying to play in the NHL. Like you gotta, you gotta have some patience there, but the way he played in Lethbridge, the way, you know, he was, you know, co-player of the year in the, in the WHL, that kid's exciting. He's got speed. He's got, you know, he's got size. He's, you know, he's getting bigger. He's going to be a really exciting player, whether he's playing center or he's playing right wing, you know, to start off it doesn't matter. The fact that he's going to be, he'll be on the ice is huge. And I think that's, that's a big reason to get excited because he's going to be awesome. And then, Hey, throw in Victor Olsson. I mean, a lot of people were wondered if he was going to be able to, to score away from the power play. And boy, once he, once he figured that out, he certainly took care of business. So yeah, he scored more in the power play than he done in even strength, but it's a nice weapon to have, isn't it? Like, isn't it nice yeah. to be able to put Eichel and Olsson on opposite circles and have either one of them, you know, be able to bury one timers past the goalie. That's pretty awesome. If you ask me, so you know you you know you got 20 goals out of him last year he probably could have scored 30 probably could have got more of a nod as as the uh as the west side traffic goes by (laughs) (laughs) while motorcycle guys have been crazy um yeah but um but yeah olsen could have been a 30 goal guy this year like that's that's super exciting and you know he's to me like i mean the secret's out but Seeker was out on a, after a month, and he still still was able to pile up goals. So that that's exciting. Like those are guys to get excited about for me. Like they're worth the price. And you know, I, I want to be able to give a ring endorsement to Sam Reinhart, but I'm not totally sure he'll be with the team. Like that. Like that. That's a guy that could get traded to, to to find help elsewhere. You know, I can't get I can't get anybody excited about Rasmus Ristolainen, but he's another guy. Maybe he goes. You know, Jeff Skinner. Like you know you know, maybe he scores. You know, I think he's got a good shot at scoring 30 this year. Like that's exciting. If he scores 30, Olson scores 30, Jack can score 40, you know, 45. Boy, that's awfully good. That, that's really good. And then, you know, if Sam's back, he's, you know, he's a 60, 60 to 70 point guy. That's awesome. Like that's a lot of offense up front. You got to fill in the backs. You got to fill in the depth. You got to, you got to get the, you know, the defense, defense I'm not even really sweating too much because Ralph's, Ralph's style of play made them play way better, so like that's good. But they just got to get deeper on the offense, and you know, but having weapons like Eichel and Olafson, and you know maybe Cousins, and then you know Reinhardt if he's back, Skinner if you know, Skinner if those pucks start you know pucks roll better and start beating the goalies, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of offense to get excited about. They need more, need way more. But like, you want to get excited about that, and you know, it's the unfortunate part that last season left left such a bad taste in everybody's mouth because these guys are all genuinely exciting players and yeah, well doing a shit sales job here. I
1: I, I I don't really work out in retail very well. I'm moderate. I'm moderately excited. I mean, everything you said is, is true. And in fairness to you, maybe I should ask you this question right before next season starts, because hope you got to at least hope that they're going to do one or two good things in the off season to kind of ignite the fan base a little bit outside of the new sweaters. But uh, yeah, yeah. So i'm mod- I'm moderately excited. everything you said is accurate before I let you go. I wanted to get your reaction the New York Rangers won the n h l draft lottery and uh what were your thoughts on that? you happy about that is that uh is that something you wanted to see or no
0: i uh, I'm happy it wasn't an actual team that was sick, top sixteen in the league. put it that way um Pittsburgh had come away with it, or Edmonton. Like, yeah, I mean, never mind the chaos that would have wrought. That would that that might have actually been something to change to get people to want to change the system, uh, the lottery system completely. Like that's, which to me is not really not really the worst idea. Um, but uh, I mean, the rain, You know, considering how the lottery played out initially, that it was you know it was a team from team that was you know sort of from the back of the pack. Uh, that had low odds of getting it, like the Rangers were one of those teams. So I'm okay with that. Um, I it would have been very, would have been very karmically perfect had Winnipeg gotten it, since it was you know it was technically their their spot in the lineup that that got that you know the Team X card. And I think yeah. that I, I think selfishly from a Sabers perspective, had Winnipeg gotten that, that would have helped them out a lot in trying to trying to get a deal with Winnipeg to try to maybe maybe find a way to dump wrist aligner or Montour out there for, you know, make a run at an Andrew cop or Nick Ehlers or somebody like that to, to help spruce the forward lineup uh, a bit. But I, I I think that's the only bummer there. Nashville would have been interesting. Um, I think people would have hated that because, because they're, they're still a very good team and uh, Minnesota, like you know Minnesota getting, getting a number one pick for the first time like that, that would have been pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, Rangers. Like, I mean, everybody's just like, "Oh, I'm rigged for the Rangers, New York City." Blah blah blah. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, they rigged it for a team that hasn't had the number hasn't had the number one pick since the sixties. Like, okay, yep, <laughs> 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 yep. They totally rigged it for him. Yep, got him, <laughs> <Right>. nailed it. Like, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I think for the Sabers, it's kind of a pain just because it's considering Buffalo's focus is probably going to be on a wild card spot. That's annoying because the Rangers are that, – that's, a, that's, a, that, that's some gas on the fire for them to speed up the rankings, which they already started this season. I mean, they were, they, they played above above where a lot of people thought they were going to be. I thought they were going to be a bottom five team anyways. Uh, turns out I was really wrong about that. I didn't expect Jersey to be one of the – to be tied with Buffalo and towards the bottom either. But but that's, you know, Panarin and Zbanejad. And now Lafreniere there, like that's that's a lot of fun. <laughs> that's that's a really yeah. fun that's a really fun group to have going there. So that's um, from an excitement purpose, like from an excitement angle, I, I'm geeked about it because that's that's a fun crew to, to see potentially get to work. Uh, but from a Buffalo focus, I'm kind of annoyed about it because that's another it's another team to throw in the wild card fire to have to contend with, and kind of forces Buffalo to worry about. Worry more about finishing third in the division, which we already know is extremely difficult. When the top, when the top two spots are pretty well spoken for with with Tampa and Boston, um, trying to fight for third with with Montreal and Toronto, and I don't think I don't know that Florida is going to have to be a huge concern moving ahead if Bobrovsky going to still be terrible. Um, that's uh, you know, but I mean. I guess you could technically say, though, that Florida's in the same pool as Buffalo. I mean, Montreal kind of is too. I, Montreal, remember, I'm sure everybody in Buffalo will re- hopefully remind me. Uh, Montreal only won 19 games in regulation this year, fewer than the Sabers. So, yeah. Uh, but like, you know, but I mean, when you re- think about it realistically, the, the teams like the like the Rangers and uh, Columbus and Florida and Montreal, like those, that's the pool that the Sabres really have to deal with when it comes to thinking playoffs and uh, that seeing one of those teams get a guy like that, that stinks.
1: Speaking of playoffs, what have been your thoughts so far on the bubble watching hockey? How weird has it been for you with no fans? The action has been really good. This, by the way, we're taping this. We're around dinner time now on Thursday. It took Tampa, what? Five overtimes to win that game one. They're down three to one in Columbus late in the third right now in game two. Of course, Columbus swept them last year. So it's just been, I feel like it's been good hockey. But the same token, this had to hurt uh, casual fans too. You're going into a playoff, man. You ain't got no no Matthews, no Crosby, no Connor McDavid. That had to hurt the league a little bit. I mean, I haven't seen the ratings yet, but uh, that kind of sucked that none of them are in this. But anyway, what have been uh, your thoughts just from what you've seen, the vibe and everything about it so far?
0: Well, I'm um, I'm just going to speak on what you said there for a second because it in a normal in a sport where things are marketed normally, like you know, I think of the NBA where they're very very adamant about pushing you know the stars on every team, yeah. Um, and the NFL does it great too. I mean, it's usually quarterbacks, but it's all you know, it's whoever's the big star they're able to push. And baseballs does it too. The NHL just goes to the mat to just push teams and rivalries, and they skip over pushing stars constantly and it drives me absolutely freaking bonkers that's the case but that softens the blow and stuff like this happens where you don't have these guys and it's just kind of like oh well you know whatever it moves on it's it's the race for the cup it's not one player can win you the cup it's like all right but that one player is really exciting like imagine imagine back in 1986 and you know Michael Jordan, you know rookie year trying to get you know, the Bulls haven't made the playoffs in you know ages. and he comes out of North Carolina and he's able to pull that garbage team in the postseason, his first season. And imagine not marketing Michael Jordan being the right. being the reason for it, you know Like it's that kind of stuff that drives me absolutely nuts and I mean to a to degree. You know, hockey, you need to have the other guys. You know, even your top forward is only playing 20 to, you know, even on a a crazy game, he's playing 23, 24 minutes. So, I mean, it's it's a third of the game. But at the same token, what that player can do in that amount of time changes the entire game. So, So, yeah, so I don't think the league is really, I mean, the league is losing out by not having those guys involved. But they're also not because it's not the way they push things, and that's it's completely their own it's completely their own fault. But yeah. the, the the quality of the games and everything it's been it's been tremendous drama. I mean, the the first round of the NHL playoffs is always the greatest round to like out of any sport because it's just every game is just cutthroat. Everything's on the line. You know, losing a, losing a game ever is just like such a gut wrench that it just totally throws things off. It's like when the NBA was best of five in the first round. You know, if if, if a favorite lost that first game, it, the heat was on. Like, seven-game series in the NBA, it's just kind of like, well, if they lose that first game, you're like, oh, whatever, they're still better, they'll figure it out. Um, that's why you don't really see those upsets anymore. That's probably why the NBA did it. Like, see, seeing Seattle get knocked off by Denver back in, what, 94? Didn't really do him mm-hmm. a lot of favors, even though it was great for Dikembe. Like, that, you know, that's an iconic scene, but. Um, but Seattle had all the hype, but, um, but in the NHL's case, like they, you know, there's so many different narratives that you can push with it that it's, you can, you can lose that. And it's, you can lose those, those high star teams and you're totally fine. Like they, they can survive that because it's the team aspect that gets played up. And I mean, we saw it last year with Columbus sweeping Tampa in the first round. Like that was shocking. Like that's, that's probably the biggest first round upset ever in the NHL. I mean, I'm talking like, you know when Detroit lost to San Jose in ninety was ninety three ninety four or whatever it was. You know at least that was a seven game set. Like they, you know, that was seven games. That was that was pretty desperate to get swept, to get swept out by the by the bottom team. Like that's crazy. That was crazy that that happened. But Tampa didn't have anything to play for 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 two months, and Columbus had to fight tooth and nail just to get in the postseason. So I, I get it, but but I'm getting way off, way off the map on this. It, it The, the hockey has been great. And I'm, and I'm honestly happy to see that. And no, I didn't really doubt it, but, um, but doing things the way they did with, you know, the playing around the round Robin for here we go, the West side sirens. I can stop for a second.
1: I love it. No, 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 no. Okay. Let, let's let those sirens play, baby. Okay. It reminds um. me of being back home. <laughs> um, Oh boy! But like, That's not coming to, they're not coming to your house, are they? No, no, no. I live around the <laughs> corner
0: from the firehouse, so I'm I'm fine. All right, um, go ahead. But like, uh, you know, having the round robin for the for the top four and each on each side, and then the play, you know, the play in, you know, the qualifying round stuff. That was the best way to give them a preseason that mattered. You know, like that. That got everybody's legs back into it. Like if the first couple of games for like, at least the round robin, terrible like that. those were not those are not very well played not very good games and you know and I think some of those teams kind of suffered that in the in the, in the actual qualifying rounds I mean Edmonton just looked I mean Edmonton and Chicago both had both like awful defenses and they both very much looked the part and it was just a, but it made for fun fun hockey to watch because it's yeah, like well yeah. these teams stink but also they're scoring tons of goals and that's great but it, to me the the more fun part of that is you know the teams that got knocked out is how are teams gonna overreact to it? I mean, Pittsburgh already fired their whole coaching staff aside from Sullivan, so that's a hell of a move. You know, watching how teams over over adjust to getting bumped out after being off the ice for four months, and then and then losing a play-in round like that's that to me is like is like ultimate ultimate NHL nonsense waiting to happen. Like I, and that to me makes it more fun, but it also it just it kind of exemplifies how dumb people can can get when when you know pushed up against the wall like that.
1: All right. So last question, I'm going to put you completely on the spot here. When it's all said and done, and let's assume that things can hopefully continue to go well in this bubble and there's no interruptions, but when it's all said and done, give me your Stanley Cup pick.
0: Man. um, I'll be honest with you. I haven't really thought about that at all. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it's hard for me to get away from Boston and like, because I think Boston is just like it's such a well put together team. They made their own road more difficult with the uh, you know with you know getting bumped down to the four seed and having to deal with Carolina in the first round. But but I mean there's no whole, there's no home ice advantage at all. Like getting last change is great, I guess. But you know you're not getting a lift from the crowd. And t- to me, that's when talent really gets its chance to shine. Talent and uh, talent and commitment to systems. And Boston has that in in number as far as I'm concerned. So I really like Boston from the East, just because I mean that that team is just filthy. Okay. They got the be- they got the best line. They've got they got great defenders, and Rask is Rask is really good in goal. Uh, in the West, really hard for me to not pick Vegas. Uh, Vegas and Colorado, I think, are if that's a conference final, we can get somehow. That's that's awesome because <laughs> I think that would be yeah. the most fun. I think the way you know Vegas making their move for you know starting Leonard over Flurry, that it was a bold call, but it was the right move uh, because Leonard's Leonard's play better, um, and I, I think that I think that's a great call. But man, Colorado, gee whiz, man, they play so fast. Uh, they've got so much talent. They've got an easier first round. Well, it's not. I can't say that Vegas getting Chicago first is pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, Cause, I mean, Chicago, Chicago. What like they scored a ton of goals against Edmonton, but they were not impressive uh, by any stretch. Um, and it was just like, well, let's see what happens. If they play a real team. Oh, they get Vegas. Well, nice. Uh, we'll be lucky to make it. out, You know, to not get eliminated in four. But I, I think with Colorado though, like Colorado is just dynamite. I think that that's that's a team you I, I I would not want to be dealing with so early on. And, you know, the other West teams don't really scare me. St. Louis, I mean, St. Louis can get their stuff figured out. Okay. Like, you know, maybe, I mean, if, if Bennington is still kind of not there with it, then Vancouver's going to, Vancouver can all them right out because they, Vancouver's got, Vancouver's playing really well, uh, first off. So I, I think that's just a bad matchup for St. Louis, anyways. But, but like, Dallas and Calgary, like, either, like, whoever wins that is just fodder for whoever they play next, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see how it plays out. I'm looking forward to watching it. Like I said, I was very lukewarm about watching hockey in the playoffs, especially without, you know, some of these superstars not even being in it, but I'm all in now. I'm excited. I'm excited about the Sabres uniform. You got me moderately excited about the <laughs> upcoming season. I'm going to revisit that with you though, in a few months. Anyway, everyone give Joe a follow on Twitter at Joe Yurden as always, bro. It's so much fun. I love having conversations with you. you and the Sirens on the West side, of my hometown. I love it.
0: <laughs> I got I It's good thing. I'm on the West side. I can play. I can, I can hugely play favorites with you by being over here. It's uh, it, but it's, it's always, it's always a treat to get to talk to you. like, man, I, you get me rambling. So uh, I'm going to try to not ramble in closing here. Cause we, we've been talking a while. <laughs>
1: All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for another episode. Very big thank you again, my man, Joe Yurden. Hashtag hire Joe Yurden. I love Joe, man. I cannot wait until he's with somebody big in the sports media again. So deserved. Love that guy. Anyway, thank you very much, Joe. Also want to thank today's show supporters, 26 Shirts, Audimute, Sounds Assured, Coming up on the podcast next Tuesday, I'm going to have Bruce Nolan. Of course, Bruce is the host of the Bruce exclusive, part of the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. Some of of the best shows I've ever had on this podcast have been with Bruce. So I'm very excited about that. And I don't want to give away the topic. It's not going to be a Bills season preview. We're going to do something at least a little bit different. Pretty cool. So make sure you check that out next week with Bruce. If you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do that right now subscribe rate and review all that fun stuff it only takes a minute to do and it really helps me continue to grow this podcast exponentially so please do that also check us out on youtube talk Buffalo podcast youtube channel highlight clips current and past episodes up there some original content coming there pretty soon then last but not least make sure you follow me on twitter at pamaran tweets i'm constantly tweeting out podcast updates, some promos, prize pack giveaway information. Like I said, we just wrapped up a contest with Sunny Reds, all kinds of stuff on Twitter. I'm there all the time. At Pam Moran tweets. Again, I end this the exact same way every time because it's the most important thing to me. And that's an opportunity for me to thank you, the listener, for checking out this podcast. I know that there's a trillion podcasts out there. So many quality buffalo bills podcast just those alone so i know the competition is out there a lot of good shows and you're locked in on this one especially if you're listening to me right now and it it means a lot to me it really does i'm I'm very humble and i'm very grateful and appreciative and i don't take that lightly i promise you that so thank you very much for listening have a good weekend stay safe do the right thing and uh we'll be back brand new show bruce exclusive bruce nolan next tuesday I'll catch you on the flippity-flip. Bye!